Maybe you've uh, had a similar experience to mine. We, uh, we go on trips sometimes. When we go to see my parents, my parents live 500 miles away, so it's a long road trip. We've flown one time, and my kids are like, how come we don't do this every time? Like, you make the funds, and I will be happy to fly you up there over and over again. But, uh, but it's about a nine-hour trip to go 500 miles in Texas, and we drive out of East Texas very quickly, and it's ugly. You get up where I'm from, lots of brown grass, lots of... Uh, fires this last year, prairie fires and all that stuff, and holes in the ground. We have canyons, we don't have trees, we don't have mountains, we have canyons where I'm from, so it's ugly. So a lot of times we'll stop, you know, we stop for potty breaks because I have three children, but we also stop at at various times, you know, just to get out, just to, uh, we don't stop long because, you know, I like to see if we can beat our record last time, but anyway, I mean, Janie, she hates it when we rent a van that has, you know, average um, speed. Because I'm always looking at it going, oh, we can get one-tenth faster. You know, anyway, all, all legal under the speed limit, I promise. Anyway, we stop sometimes and we'll get, uh, we'll get in, the, in the gas station and, and my kids will do what any kids do on a trip. They'll come up and they'll say, Daddy, can I have some Skittles? And being the loving, generous father that I am, I'll say, sure, baby, you can have some Skittles. So we'll go up and we'll pay for the Skittles. But I have a sweet tooth, too, and I like Skittles. And so occasionally I will say to my kids, can I have one? And occasionally my kids will go, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. And I am such a quiet, patient, teaching person that I'll say to my kids, I bought the stinking Skittles. I can take them away. To which they'll go, Dad, and you have to, you have to you add the annoying tone there, or, or annoyed tone, either one, take it either way. Dad, and I'll say, you march your little self up to the counter and see how many bags of Skittles you can buy. I can buy a hundred bags if I want to, because I've got cash. You got nothing. You got jack. I've got a credit card. I can go up there and buy the whole stinking store. I can put them in our living room and cover you up with Skittles so much you'd never be able to eat them. If you did, you'd vomit all over the place. You ungrateful. No, I don't do that. I was asking for one Skittle. You know. (laughs) By the way, since it's Valentine's Day, I'm going to give this to Janie. And she'll go, that's it. <laughs> um, sorry, I just thought that was cool. Now, we all have a pile of Skittles. And uh, what we don't realize is God comes to us and asks us for just a few of our Skittles. And when we say no, we need to understand that God gave us the Skittles and God can take them away. God has so many Skittles that he could rain down Skittles from now until the end of time on us if he wanted to. And whenever we say no to God, then we dishonor and disobey God. And so we've got to realize this whole idea is that God is in control. And, and when we say no to God, God says, all right, you're on your own. I will no longer be responsible for replenishing your Skittles supply. You see, from the beginning, God has been involved in blessing humans. David, you can't have this. I'm putting this over here, but you can't have that. That's for Janie. I know he's going to try to jack it and give it to Carrie, but... (laughs) God has always been involved in blessing humans. 
Um, but his continued blessing depends on our attitude. And we said earlier, God only blesses those who will use those blessings to bless others. That's God's economy. That's the way things work. And so we said last week that if you want to be blessed by God, if you want to be in the zone, God's bless on your ing, then, then you got to figure out a couple of things. Blessing means to be on the receiving end of the intangible now, Caleb remembered these words. He didn't have a clue what they meant, but he remembered the words. Intangible and tangible favor of God. Yeah, that's one buck, but he's not up here, so it doesn't count. Yeah, you can tell him he missed it. Yeah, you'll take the dollar. Um, tangible and intangible favor of God. That means peace, uh, love, joy, contentment. That's intangible. But tangible means God wants to bless your life with the things that you need. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to be reminded that all Skittles come from God. Bill Gates-sized pile of Skittles come from God. That'd be a big pile. Doug and Janie pile of Skittles come from God. Your pile of Skittles may be bigger, may be smaller than my pile of Skittles. But if they come from God, that means they belong to God. That makes me a manager of God's Skittles, not an owner. And that's a big deal. We actually manage God's stuff. Now, so how do we move from the land of Ing into the blessed place, into God's sweet spot of success? Well, it all goes back to Skittles. How do you handle the Skittles that you have? God has a great deal to say about Skittles in the Bible. Now, I know we've already mentioned this. Talking about money is a touchy subject. I was a youth minister for 19 years in Baptist churches in various places in Texas. And thinking back, I can remember one time in all of those 19 years that my pastor did a series where he talked about skills, about stuff, about possessions. You know, they would do individual sermons, but not a series. And the one time that the pastor did a whole series of messages on money, we got all kinds of anonymous letters from people saying, how dare you? Even consider talking about stuff, about money. And, and there were several families who left the church and they said in their letter, we will not come back unless you quit talking about money. Of course, I'm like to the pastor, let them go. And I'm, I'm the type. I'm like, well, let's look and see if they gave in the first place. If they didn't give in the first place, you know, I'm sorry. That's just me being the flesh. Um, I'm just being honest with you. <laughs> Many pastors really get uptight because you may not realize that, but a lot of folks will try to hold you hostage with their money. Talk about what I want you to talk about. I'll give. Do what I think you should do, pastor. Jump through the hoops that I think you should jump through. Only talk about the subject I want you to talk about. I'll give. To me, I just I'm not going there. Um, we're not going to be held hostage. And so I decided to, to, to look into our policy. And, and most of you know our policy here. We never ask guests to give. So if you're a guest, breathe a sigh of relief and look around at all the other suckers who have to pay attention to this. You know, you do not have to give. Um, we've said that from the beginning. And if you're a member, we tell you up front. We say it all the time in services that we expect our members to give. If you come to our 101 class, which is our, our membership class, Discovering Church Membership, we'll tell you up front, we expect you to give. If you come to our 201 class, which is Discovering Spiritual Maturity, we'll tell you that one of the habits that you need to develop if you're going to grow spiritually is giving the tithe, which actually means 10%. So we'll teach you that. We don't do any sneak attacks around here. <laughs> no sneaking up on you, you know, because a lot of people say, I knew you were going to talk about money sometimes. And that's one of the top three reasons why people don't go to church. All they ever want is money. Well, we tell guests up front, don't give. We tell members, you better give. 
Because, yeah, amen. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So what I decided to do was we were going to talk just like Jesus talked. We're not going to ask you to do more than Jesus asked you to do. We're not going to ask you to do less than Jesus asked you to do. So I decided to look back at our statistics. New Life Community Church has been in existence approximately 250 weekends. We're not quite five years old. So about 250 weekends that we have had services here or wherever we've been. We've moved around quite a bit. And in those 250 times, you know how many times I've talked about Skittles? Ten. I've done three sermon series. One of them was four, four sermons long. What did somebody say? None? Oh, you've been here. I think you all have been here for all of them. So I've done ten times. <laughs> you know what that is percentage-wise? Four percent. Four percent of the time we've talked about Skittles. And so we started looking in the New Testament. Did you know in the New Testament, one out of every six verses deals with Skittles? Um, Jesus talked more about how we handle Skittles than about heaven, hell, prayer, or even faith. You can count the verses and find out that Jesus talked more about it. One third, 33% of Jesus' parables, you know, the little stories he teaches that have a message, had to deal with Skittles, money, possession, stuff. And so if we're going to catch up with Jesus, I got to preach on Skittles the next 52 weeks to get, I'm just kidding. Y'all are like, oh, dude, loosen up. Why did Jesus, now this, this is kind of interesting. Why did Jesus, a man who had no Skittles, you think about it, he had no home. He had the clothes on his back. He had to be totally supported by others. When he died, the only thing that, that the soldiers had to get rid of was the clothes that he had. Why did a dude who had no Skittles, no stuff, why did he talk so much about stuff? Because he knows the human heart. And he knows that if we're not careful, we'll become obsessed with stuff. And so he talked a lot about it. And uh, he knew that no matter what you call it, dough, bread, moolah, quan, dinero, scratch. We tried to think of a whole bunch of different names. No matter what you call it, it has the potential for good or bad in your life. Now, here's the thing that, that I don't know that a lot of folks understand. Jesus never said money was bad. The Bible never said money was bad. Let's see what the Bible says about it in 1 Timothy 6.10. The love of money, just right there at the beginning of the verse, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, notice that it doesn't say, because I've heard this for years. The love of money is the root of every kind of evil. That's not what it says. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. All right. That makes sense. You understand that. And then look what the next part of the verse says. Some people who have set their hearts on getting rich have wandered away from the Christian faith and have caused themselves a lot of grief. You ever seen that? People who have been uh, obsessed with getting more and more stuff. And then they get out here in the land of Ing and they're like, oh, man, I'm empty. And they've caused themselves all kinds of hurt. They've caused their family all kinds of hurt because all they cared about was the almighty dollar. Well, the almighty dollar isn't so almighty. Money is not the God. Money is not even the goal. Money is a means to an end. And so God wants to teach us a whole lot about Skittles. Now, in the weeks ahead, we're going to look at money management. We're going to look at savings, spending, debt, um, materialism, some things like that. We're going to give you some very practical tools to move from wherever you are. You may be a seven on a scale of ten and doing great, but you can still improve. But I know some of you aren't quite a seven. And so what we're going to try to do is give you some very practical things to help you move 
um, further in your in your ability to handle the resources that God has given you. Now, I want to focus on God's antidote to being obsessed with money today. Now, if you are sick, which my daughter Hannah is sick today, and if she's still sick tomorrow, what will we do? We'll take her to the doctor. So if you have a sickness of the soul, where should you go? To the great physician, to church, to the God doctor. Well, let's see what the God doctor has to say about this soul condition and how we can fix it. He has a prescription and the prescription for this soul sickness called being obsessed with possessions starts all the way back in the book of Genesis. When God created humans, when he created the earth, he worked for six days and then on the seventh day he rested. So God set aside one day each week and he said, I want you humans to honor me one day every week. Give you six days to do everything else. Honor me one day a week. So God's plan. This is on your listening guide. God's plan is from the beginning. First things first. First day belongs to God. That's what that's what your first two blanks are. First day belongs to God. Now, in the New Testament, worship of God moved from the Sabbath day to Sunday, because here's here's why. Jesus was crucified on a Friday, but he was resurrected on a Sunday. And so the, the followers of Christ said, man, you know, that's really cool that Jesus would die for our sins and that he would rise on on Sunday. So let's start praising God and thanking God on Sunday, the first day of the week. Let's let's have this party every week and praise God for what he did on, on uh, that Sunday morning, that first Easter. And so that's why we get this first day of the week belongs to God. Now, if we fast forward just a little bit to Exodus 13, 2. God is speaking and he says, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. So here God says, I don't care if it's human. I don't care if it's an animal. The firstborn belongs to me. So firstborn belongs to God. That's your next blank there. Now, you got to understand the firstborn in the Old Testament had huge significance. I would have been totally ripped off because I was the fourth born in my family. And I, you know, I was really glad that we're under grace and, you know, New Testament rules apply now because that means my brother doesn't get twice the inheritance I do and all that stuff, you know, um, real mature response that, that I'm having. Um, the firstborn was the most prominent. They had the most responsibilities, but they also got the most rewards. Now, the firstborn animal many times would be sacrificed, would give its life so that others could live. In fact, when you're reading in Exodus 13, this is right after the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt. If you've ever seen the Ten Commandments, you've seen the Ten Plagues, and they don't really do a great job of the Ten Plagues. But the one I've always remembered is the, the death angel. The very last plague that they had, because Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. They kept saying, oh, I'll let them go. I won't let them go. God sends frogs. He sends hail. He sends gnats. He, he, he sends all kinds of darkness. Uh, the water turns to blood. All kinds of things. But the very last plague that he sent against Egypt was the death angel. And this is where the idea of Passover came from. And to this day, Jews still celebrate the Passover. Here's what it was. God said, I'm going to kill the firstborn, whether it's animal or human. I'm going to kill the firstborn unless, this is the cool thing about God, He always has an unless, unless you take a lamb, kill it, take some of the blood and spread it over the doorpost. So you put it on the two sides, you put it on the top of the doorpost. And when the death angel comes, and, and I always remember this from the Ten Commandments, 
the death angel comes down and he starts and it's, it's almost as if you can see the death angel look at the doorpost. And if there is blood there, if an innocent third party has died so that the firstborn in that house does not have to die, the angel would pass over that house. And so that's what they did. They celebrated the Passover from then until now. It's when God had mercy on someone because an innocent third party died. Well, that's a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Um, the firstborn of all creation being sacrificed for you and me. And when it comes your time to die and to go into that life after death, if the blood of Jesus has been applied to the doorposts of your life, then you get to go to heaven. But if not, that death angel carries you to the pits of hell. So this was a big deal, this idea of the firstborn. God gave us his firstborn. Now, there's another principle in Exodus 23, 19. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Now, this idea of bringing is what I want you to hold on today. We bring the best to God. That first word there. God said, bring even the first fruits to the house of the Lord. So you write this down. First fruits belong to God. Now, this is this is something I'd never seen before this week because I was studying. Now, if you remember, Adam and Eve had two sons. They were named Cain and Abel. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter four that Cain was a farmer and Abel was a shepherd. Both of those um, good jobs. No problem with either of the jobs. Now, when it came time to bring their offerings to God, though, it says that Cain gave fruit and, and Abel gave an animal. Well, we just read that first fruits are OK. Firstborn is OK. That's not a big deal. So either either offering would be acceptable to God. But we're told in, in Genesis chapter four that God rejects Cain's offering. And he accepts Abel's. Now, growing up, I've heard this story since I was I was a, a child in all these churches. And I always thought that it was just Cain must have had a really bad attitude. You know, I don't know what why God rejected him. But this week, my eyes were open and I saw it for the first time. Here's why God rejected Cain's sacrifice. Genesis four, three and five, three through five. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Do you see it? Cain presented what? Some. Now, in the Bible, every time someone presents the first fruits, what does the Bible say? They presented first fruits. Because if you look at, at Abel, what did Abel bring? The best of the firstborn. Here's what Cain did. Cain waited until the end and gave God some of the leftovers. He waited till his package of Skittles was empty. Here you go, God. And God says, I don't want your leftovers. That's not, way, that's not the way it works in my economy. Cain gave him the leftovers, not the first portion. And, and God says, I want the firstborn. I want the first fruits. First things first. God is never pleased with the leftovers. And look at Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Here it is for me and you. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor God and he will honor you. Anyone here want to be honored by the God of the universe? I'll sign up for that one. <laughs> that seems like a no brainer to me. Now, if if you were a guessing person and you just saw that the first day belongs to God, the firstborn belongs to God, first fruits belong to God, which portion of your income would you just guess belongs to God? First portion. So you can write that down. You can just add another bullet there if you want to. First part of my income belongs to God. 
Now, this is this whole idea. Now, in the Old Testament, it's if you were to bring your gift to God, if you were to bring your offering to God, you would go to the temple. In the New Testament, that moved to be the uh, local church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Um, so when you understand this, we're not talking about giving. We're talking about bringing. You don't get to talk about giving until you get above the 10% threshold. That's when you can talk about giving. We're talking about bringing what is due to God. Now, anybody here have a $100 bill on? Anybody got a $100 bill? You do? You bring it to me? I don't know about that. Wow. I honestly didn't expect anybody to come forward. And you may never again when you see what happens. Anybody got a uh, $10 bill? Anybody got, anybody got a $10 bill? Whoever's got a $10 bill, come on up here. Come on, man. Come on, you're at the back. Come on. If somebody beats him, come on. I don't care. Thanks, man. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Here you go. Yeah. That's yours. No, that's yours. That's yours, man. That's yours. I get my kids on No, I actually came prepared there, Ryan. Now, here's the whole point that I'm trying to make. And that was a hundred. Y'all are like going, he gave him a one. No. This is God's economy. Now, which part did Dwayne give me? Ten. The first ten or the last ten? He gave me the first ten. And what did, what did he make off of that? He made ninety bucks. This is God's deal. This is God's economy. He says, if you'll trust me, then I, I can trust you and I can bless you more. And um, the whole deal is, why, why, would God, why would God ask us to give 10%? Well, I don't know. God could have said, God could have said, everybody bring 50 bucks a month. Back when my daddy was my age, that would have been a lot of money. That would have been a hardship on dad. Now, dad tithe. That's where I learned to tithe was watching my daddy write the check out. I thought we were like paying dues to go to church, you know. I don't know. That was before health clubs and all that. But dad was every week he'd write the check out and I'd look at it. And to me, I'm like, wow. Why are you doing that, daddy? He said, because God said to. Um, he could have said that he could have given a dollar figure. But what God did was he said, I'm going to put a percentage on it because then for one thing, it lasts for all eternity. Doesn't matter how much the dollar is worth against the yen. It's still 10%. And, and here's what it does it puts all of us on equal footing. And here's the big thing that, that you're not going to like it reveals the condition of our heart. This whole 10% thing. Because God says, I'm looking for people who will be river people, who will pass on my blessings. And the quickest test that, that God can give us all is the test of money. And um, and here's the deal. God doesn't need your money. 
And some of you are going, good, because he ain't getting it. And, and that's okay. That's between you and God. We don't, we don't have the refrigerator police that come to see what kind of beverages are in your house. I say that in our one-on-one class. That, you know, that's between you and God. We also, although I do know who gives and who doesn't, you'll never know by my actions who gives and who doesn't. Nobody's going to come, you know, and say, hey. <laughs> that would be kind of fun to do a video, but, but, um, but we're not going to do that. The reason we're talking about 10% is because that's what God said. Because, see, you can look around and the church isn't about to close its doors. We're going to pay the light bills this week. We're going to pay all the bills we have. And we're going to keep doing what God's doing, whether you bring your money or not. And some of you are looking around, you know, you remember when we bought these chairs and, and the chairs cost money and we're about to buy some more chairs and we got a couple of TVs up here. We're about to get some more TVs so that folks on the side can see. And we've got audiovisual equipment. We're about to get some more audiovisual equipment. And some of you are looking around, and you're going, this church doesn't need my money. It looks like everything's going OK. The only one that's going to miss my 10 percent is me. Well, in some ways, that's true. But the reason we talk about this is not because we're looking for your money. The reason we talk about this, number one, is because God said it. And number two, because I know what God's going to do in your life if you will trust him in this area. Um, Because, you see, we bring the tithe out of obedience because God gave first. Jesus was like God's tithe to us. He gave his firstborn and I give when I bring uh, when Janie and I bring our 10 percent. God says he can trust us um, and he blesses the other 90 percent. So I wanted to I, I, I want to show you a video and I got to actually set this up because um, Dwayne and Michelle, they're in our small group and they're getting to be good friends. And Dwayne's a nut. So uh, I just got to tell you that. Although the, the, the interview ends up serious, it doesn't start out that way. Check this, this tithe talk with Super D and Michelle. Mysteries of Life Theater presents Tithing Talk with Super D and Michelle. <laughs> So, Super D and Michelle, I like the hair, new style, right? That's right. What happens when you hit your 40s? Well, we're here today to talk to you guys about tithing. And um, I know that you have tithed for years. How many years have you been doing that? 13 years. 13 years, all right. So, 13 years ago, what was it that changed? And and caused you guys to start? Um, We started attending church faithfully and regularly. And, you know, when you become a new Christian, you're so excited and you want to learn everything you can learn. And that was one of the things that was taught in our church was that you give 10% to God off the top right away. So it just, you know, that was just a fact that I accepted from the beginning. So at first it wasn't hard. But then later on... When the struggles come, and like you said, when you're looking at your bills and your budget and the money's just not there, and the first thing you think is, but I don't have to do this. I mean, I know the Bible says I do, Lord, but, you know, you'll understand. And in the meantime, Big Daddy D was in the background 
saying, no, you have to tithe, no, you have to tithe. And finally, he just got tired of me, and he just said, okay, I don't agree with it, but you do what you're going to do, and we'll see what happens. And so then we saw what happened. (laughs) What kind of advice would you give to folks who are thinking about tithing? Maybe they've never done it before, maybe they've tried it and stopped. What, What kind of advice would you give those guys? He tells us in his word to give 10%. That's a must. Not saying, well, I do it because I want the blessings off of it. I mean, if God asks me to do something, then I'm going to do it. Now, so there's times I fall on my face trying to do it, but I'm going to continue to get back up and do it. And that's the way with tithing. I told, her, I told my wife that we're going to tithe and that's it, no matter what. You know, when we're talking about mysteries of life, a lot of people don't understand how... Christians can give 10%. Would you guys say that it's worth it or that you regret? <laughs> it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Um. All right. Word up, Super D. That's right. <laughs> oh, man, you caught me eating Skittles. <laughs> I, I didn't finish quickly enough. Here's my question, and and this is what I want you to to carry out of here today. Do you want to live with 90% of your income supernaturally blessed by God? Or do you want to live with 100% of your income cursed by God? Some of you are going, what's the first option again? And you may think that that's harsh, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Look at, look at Malachi 3, 8 and 9. Should a person rob God? Now, just stop right there. If I were to come in, or if I'm knocking on your door, we were watching Jay Leno the other night. He's doing jaywalking, and he just knocks on the door, and he's asking him about the Grammys and all this stuff. It's pretty funny. If I were to just knock on your door, and you open, I say, Hi, I'm Doug, and I'm from New Life Community Church. And you'd say, Who are you? But anyway... I said, can I ask you one question? Should a person rob God, what would your gut reaction be? Uh, no. <laughs> and so uh, that's, that's what happens here. God's like, should a person rob God? And all of the people that are listening to this, the Israelites, the Jews, they're going, no, no, nobody would ever rob God. Look what God says. But you are robbing me. And they're like, me? Moi? I'm robbing you? How am I? And God says, God answers for him. But yet you ask, how have we robbed you? And then God just puts it out there. You have robbed me in your offerings and the tenth of your crops. That's what a tithe is, is 10%. That's what it means. So a curse is on you because the whole nation has robbed me. So there it is. God says, when we don't bring, uh, when we don't bring the tithe, 100% of our income is cursed. But here's the really cool thing about God. God never gives us bad news without also giving us the potential for good news. He gives us the antidote right here. How to avoid the curse. Malachi 3.10. Bring. All right. I want you to circle that word. If you have your listening guide, bring to the storehouse. Bring to the storehouse a full tenth of what you earn so there will be food in my house. Test me in this. Only time in the entire Bible. That God uses this word, test me. It means double dog, triple dog, dare you to give this a try. In fact, we're offering a money back guarantee on you tithing. You got to try it for eight weeks. And if you're not better off tangibly and intangibly, if you've not received the favor of God in your life, we will give you your money back. We track it. Those of you who give, you know, 
that um, that you get a statement at the end of the year. So it's on the computer. We know how much. And if you come to us and you say, I tried it, it doesn't work. We'll give you your money back. In fact, we might even double your money back. We dare you to try it because, see, it's not on me. It's not my deal. God's the one who said, I dare you to try it. Test me in this, says the Lord All-Powerful. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings, tangible and intangible blessings you need. Now, in the New Testament, the most important thing in God's economy was the church, the bride of Christ. And so when God tells us to bring the 10 percent, where do you think he would direct it? To his bride. Why does God tell us to bring the money? Because he knows if we don't, our hearts will shrivel and we'll go to owners instead of managers. And, and God knows that that's, that's a place where death occurs, um, where our hearts will shrivel up and die. And God wants that river mentality. Because here's, here's the whole thing. God says, I'm going to bless followers who say they follow Christ. I'm going to bless them so that they can bless the bride of Christ so that the bride of Christ can turn around and bless others. Do you know why we exist as a church, New Life? We exist to reach people who are far from God. We exist to take the blessings that God has given you that you bless us with so that we can reach people who are far from God. And I believe that God is going to bless us because we exist to bless others who don't even go to church. That's why we started the church. We said if folks want traditional church, there are lots to choose from around here. And we're going to applaud. Woo, go to traditional church. But that's not who we are. We didn't start the church to reach people who were already convinced. We started the church to reach people who weren't convinced. And we believe that's the heart that God has placed in us. And as we bless those people, God will bless us. So when you boil it all down, it really is a matter of the heart. Matthew 6.21 says, your heart will always be where your skittles are. Where your treasure is. It's the treasure test. If you want to know whether you're in the zone or not, look in your checkbook. Because real quickly, it'll show what is most important in your life. It'll show whether you're living in the zone or in the land of Ing. God wants to move you from the land of Ing. And he wants to put your tithe on his Ing so that he can put his bless on your ing so that he can put his super in your natural. That's what God wants to do. And um, and I just got to be quite honest with you. You don't you don't get in the zone. Unless you're giving 10 percent. And I don't know that I know who gives. I know who tithes. I don't know your your financial condition. So I'm <laughs> we never ask for your W-2 or. Anything like that. But but last week I told you that we were going to talk about some numbers today. Three out of ten. And seven out of ten. Three out of ten people at New Life Community Church tithe. That's 30%, which in baseball would be good. 300 in baseball, you're considered good. And in and, and every church I've ever been in, we're, we're a better percentage giving church than any church I've ever been a part of. And, and I've been a part of churches since I was born. I grew up in a nursery in a Baptist church and been in church all my life. And this is better. But in the in baseball, those of you who are baseball fans, there's a line called the Mendoza line. 
And I did a little study this week on Mendoza. Mario Mendoza was a lifetime 215 hitter. That's not good. He had, I wrote this down so I get it, get it right. Obviously, he had a couple of years where he batted a little more than that. I think his highest was 245, which still isn't good. But here, actual years, he batted 180, 185, twice he batted 198. And his last season, you'll understand why it was his last season, when I tell you he batted 118. So, guys, George Brett, back in, in the 70s, George Brett was this incredible hitter, and he started off in a slump. And uh, somebody was interviewing him about his slump, and he goes, man, I'm getting awfully close to the Mendoza line. And that's kind of where this whole idea started. So the Mendoza line was, was started to say when you're really bad and you're about to be punted out of the major leagues. So to say we're better than every other church that I've been in and all the other churches were near the Mendoza line, that's like we're saying we're a little bit better than terrible. It's not really the standard that we're looking for. So what we said was we would be ecstatic. You know, ideally, we'd like for every believer in Christ to give again, not so that we can have more TVs and more chairs. That's part of the deal. But really, it's for what God does in your life, because he changes you um, when you give. We we just want to go from three out of ten to five out of ten, 50 percent. And next year, maybe we'll shoot for eight out of ten. And at the end of this whole series, we're going to ask you to make pledges. Last year, it's the first time I've ever said uh, would you write down what you're going to give to God over the next year? And last year was the biggest given year in the history of our church. It went up substantially because there are people here who said, man, I will give come hell or high water. I will bring my tithe to the church. And I know some of you. And if people were to look at your finances, non-Christians, they'd go, you're nuts for giving to the church. Because I know you're, you struggle. But when you do that, you guarantee that the God of the universe will be involved in that 90%. And I can tell you, I've lived it. When, and, and some of you heard this before. When we started the church, we had no scratch. <laughs> no standing in the community. No church supporting us whatsoever. And there were times that, that we had no money in the checking account to give me a salary. And, you know, I've done everything from build cow pens. I helped. I was a, a welder's helper. I've... Swept floors when I was the only English speaking guy on the crew. And I mean, it really was. Guys are looking at me going, one of these things is not like the other. And it was me. Um, And uh, I've swept floors and I've done all kinds of things. But I've also experienced the incredible blessing of God tangibly, intangibly. And some of you in the church are beginning to experience that. And I pray to God that everybody could experience that. Because once you do, like Michelle said in the interview, you won't go back. If you do, you won't stay there long because you're like, ooh, I've got to get back in God's favor. I've got to get back in the zone. Would you take out your registration cards real quickly?